This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We're holding here in the Rambam. It's the second Perik. We are, we're starting. It's, it's on this side, the one that says Perik Sheni. So the, the first, these are the chapters that deal with the fundamentals of belief. The first chapter spoke about God, the basic description of God, the anthropomorphic terminology used in the psukim, and uh, now he's going to go to the next step. Perik Sheni, it's the second Perik. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say a little bit of the Hebrew inside because I think it's very important to stick to a text and then we'll um, explain. This God who is Nichbod means um, worthy of um, worthy of respect slash worship. And this God who is awe inspiring. It is a mitzvah to love and to fear him. It says you shall love God. You shall fear God. Now let's um, first mark the first point. We spoke about one God, and that's the most central belief and understanding of God that whereas human beings and everything else that we know of are a composite of different elements, God is one. And he went out of his way to describe a oneness that is not like anything we've had before or anything we could imagine. So we can't isolate any one of God's characteristics and label it as being you know, this and this and this. God is not smart and strong and just and so on. It, it's one package. We have a problem with that because the mitzvahs that are meant to emulate God are 613. They actually at least boil down minimally to mitzvahs <laughs> of doing and mitzvahs of, of not transgressing. We, we struggle because we have, we relate to God in many ways and minimally two ways. It says when God made uh, Adam and when he, when, he, when he put him down in the Garden of Eden, they had a mitzvah to watch the garden, to, to, I'm sorry, to work it, to cultivate it, and to guard it against, uh, against harm. Parallel to that, he told them, he told him, I want you to eat and partake of every fruit and not of this tree. So immediately it, it, it split into two. So the Rambam says, God to us appears in two facets as something very attractive and as something very awe-inspiring, which kind of pushes you away. It is the way we, we are not one. And we cannot, just like we can imagine our parents slash authority teachers being in a very kind mode and being in a very disciplinary mode, 
And we recognize both are important, but when we see somebody disciplining, we usually see him angry, upset. The person is in a different mode. It's two people. By God, it's not like that. So we recognize God. He strikes our radar screen in two basic ways. Um, in, in, a, in, a, in a way that pulls us and in a way that sort of pushes us away. And, and so our basic emotions vis-a-vis -vis God are an attraction and a sort of fear to come any closer. That, those are our two most basic emotions vis-a-vis -vis God. And they've been embodied as a commandment. To love God means to, to draw close, not only to draw close, but to develop, and we'll see in a second how that's done, to develop the, the sense of closeness to God and, and, the, and, the, and the desire to, to draw closer. And Yira is to develop the sense of awe that would make one afraid of getting close. Both of them are the two commandments that are the first split because it's not God as he is to us, but we as we ought to be towards God. Um, so if there's a pyramid, God's oneness, and then right after that there is love from one side, fear from the other side. And we're commanded on both of them in via hafta and so on. Um, this, the, 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 um, these two emotions will form the basis of our relationship to God. The Zohar, which is the, the primary mystical work, um, he, he uses a metaphor for Ahav and Yira. He says these are Trey Godfin, these are two wings, that without them prayers don't go to God. The two wings are fear and love. And we'll see how they, the Rambam explains it. So th that's the states in one. Now, the biggest problem with it is um, we can mandate action. I can say God said to uh, put on tefillin. So I can do that. Um, God said not to do this. I could not do that. It's very hard to command people to have certain emotions. I mean, I can't say, I can't tell people you must be happy. Um, that's, that's a farce. So what does it mean, a commandment from God to love and to fear? How exactly can I do it? Um, and and it's, it's, what, what is, what is the, the, the commandment? It's like saying, you know, you, you are hereby commanded to like me. Well, I either like you or I don't like you. The commandment is not going to accomplish <coughs> that. That's, that's the issue the Rambam deals with. So the Rambam will, will explain that obviously there is going to be a way in which a person can evoke in himself um, these two emotions. He can use, he can do certain activities that will evoke these emotions and that's what a commandment is. So what is the way in which a person can bring out these two um, emotions? So he says, 
When a person looks around and he contemplates about God's extraordinary deeds, you look around in the world and you see the, the absolute incredible variety, complexity, interplay, grandeur, all those things that have moved people. And a person understands that all as being God. And he sees an extraordinary wisdom that is incomparable and unlimited. So if a person were to think about it, he immediately is filled with an attraction, he praises, and has a tremendous desire to draw close. Now, the Rambam, true to his who he was, was, was wisdom. And anything that would display the wisdom of, of, of such a scale would have this effect on you. Some, many others, don't use this particular line um, of, of contemplation. They focus on the favors God has done for us. God has given us life. God has given us an environment that's positive, opportunities, um, benefits, and so on. And for some people, that might be the line of contemplation. It's irrelevant. You know, the halacha is not, is not going to discern the line of thought you use, but the Rambam is incredible because that's what the Rambam was. The Rambam said, when you see something that is amazingly wise and wisdom itself, one is drawn to it uncontrollably. That is, um, that's the Rambam. It's true for the Rambam. It may or may not be true for us. It ought to be true for us, but it may or may not be. And he says, he brings a verse of King David's contemplation that sort of reflects this type of thinking. Like, like King David said, My soul thirsts for a God, for a living God. So the yearning that a person has for this incredible um, greatness is something very, very innate to a person. And a person massages it, and a person strums on it, a, a person evokes that sense of Ava. Um, in truth, we, we recognize people who have been moved poetically by beauty of the world, scientists who are amazed by the incredible riches of science, um, are really, in a certain sense, onto this process, except that they sort of lop the head off of the process. You know, when I look at this incredible, at what a human being is, I was reading one, and this is not a religious tract, this, was, this is a book about cells, uh, nothing to do with it, no one's proving anything. It's, it's, uh, um, I, I, I have it at home, it's an Oxford University Press, and you know, regular, and they describe that a typical cell has between 50 to 60,000 chemical interactions that make it a viable entity, and you, and you say to yourself, that's one cell. That's 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 a little that's a little um, you know nondescript cell. And you think of a body that has every organ has 
you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of cells acting in, in, in harmony, and then all the different organs together have an, an incredible harmony and so on. And the more you think about it, it's incredible. Um, my wife's my wife's grandmother was a sister of Chazanish, and she once described um, my wife's grandmother's sister-in-law, who was a young, who was a girl, and, and who, who who was in Chazanish's house, and she helped him with stuff and so on. She once described she brought in, she happened to find a rose, a nice rose that she plucked. And brought it in, and, and a vase, and put it on the table. The Chaznish looked at it. Chaznish had tremendously keen sense of taking things apart. You see it in his writings in halacha. And he began looking at it, and began thinking about how it works, and all the different pieces, and and and, and what what it does. And at some point, he said, "Take it away from me. I just can't anymore. I, it, it's overwhelming me. Like 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 you know, take it away." And and so. Many, many, um, many of the things that we, um, those things that stir a person's soul are on the right track. The question is, where do we go with it? I, I, must, I think I must have told you over the story a while back, but it's just the right place to bring it up again. I, I, in Israel, they, have, they had a science magazine called Mada, which was... It was equivalent of Scientific American, but it was it was government. It was it was by Mahon Weitzman. It was very well very well done actually. Um, no advertisements, no glossy pieces, just like very nice write ups in general science series. Um, professional, actually quite professional. And they it when the government stopped sponsoring it, they stopped putting it out, obviously. But but um, they had an article that I was enamored with. I was reading it. It was a symbiotic relationship between fig trees and types of wasps and the fertilization of the figs and the development of wasps go hand in hand. So when the flower is open, the, the, the wasp lays eggs and in each follicle they can put one egg in. At, that, at some point that is good for both, it closes. The, the gas and the temperature is ideal for the developing of the larva. The larvae are not in everyone. There's different. The tall follicles and short follicles, they would kill the thing. So the short follicles, the eggs can't get to it. So that develops in the fruit. The long ones develop the larva. When the gas reaches a certain point that it opens, and um, that's exact time when the larva is supposed to go out. There's like five-step dance that's in sync, and it's astounding. And he finishes it. He says, you know, I can't finish this without quoting my professor for botany, um, Professor So-and-so, who said, there is no end to the wonders of evolution. And you say to yourself, like, like he needed a god, because it was just an overwhelming thing. I, I said, first of all, evolution should not bring out religious feelings. And secondly, there's an oxymoron. Evolution is not supposed to have wonders. Evolution is supposed to choose the simplest path. This cockeyed, crazy weave of two species that have really nothing with each other it should have not lasted. It should be, the, it, 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 you know, evolution should have picked a much better way because evolution likes things simple. 
um, you know, as, as if evolution could like anything. Evolution means the more complex the system is, the less chance that it arises. It, it should always be looking for the so so the, the statement itself is is sort of um, almost self-contradictory. But what I but 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 the, the astonishment at that such a complex system works and every. Every species of fig tree needs its species of wasp and vice versa. All of that is something that should evoke, it evokes a story and say, oh my gosh, this is extraordinary. That's the feeling that brings a person, I want to be part of this. I want to know, I want to understand, and I want to be close to it. And then the Rambam says, And as a person is thinking about these things themselves. In other words, as the person begins to understand it, miyad hu he's thrown back. Viyore, he's scared. Viyafachet, he becomes frightened. Viyodea, and he realizes shuberya he's a small, insignificant, benighted being. Omeid bedas kalamiuta, standing with a very, very light and um, insignificant mind, before the perf- the perfection of of wisdom itself. Kemoshama David, like David himself, expressed things like that, and he said, When I look up your head at the heavens, the very, very creation of your fingers, so to speak. I ask myself, what is man that you even bother to mention him, to remember him? So the Rambam here says an incredible um, explanation or description. And let's think a little bit about the depth of what the Rambam is, is, is giving us over here. God is one. And we perceive things as, as we, we, we need a minimum of two sides. An image to us that is all black or all white carries no um, information for us. We need a contrast of black against white. We need to see two sides of a thing to make sense of it. So when we see God, we see God in the mode of being attracted and the mode of being thrown back. But it's the same idea. Let's give an example. I introduce you to the President of the United States or to to the the smartest person. And I begin to talk to the person. And as I'm over, as, as as, as I hear him say things that are incredibly smart and quick and sharp with with a fantastic memory, I, I like, I, I'm drawn to this person, I'd like to be part of that person's circle, I'd like to be a friend. I'm also overshadowed and overwhelmed by the person, and, and, and the more that person displays um, his, his ability, the, 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 the less significant I feel. Those two emotions come from, even though they're in a certain sense conflicting emotions, but they come from a certain, they come from the same, from the same sense of things. And that's why, and that's why the one God is perceived 
in two opposite fashions. Um, because for me, that uh, I'm drawn to that which is so greater than me, and I'm thrown aback by it. And, and that, in a sense, is our duality of emotions towards God. I need to recognize I, 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 I want it, and the more I see it, the more I'm kind of overwhelmed by it. Th that is the way the Rambam describes love and fear, which are the two basic emotions that are requisite. So we're not, we're commanded to think about it and to understand enough that we are um, overwhelmed by it. Yes? Okay. So the, and it's challenge that we have to know once we know love, then we can know fear. Once we know fear, yes. we can know love. Now, the, what about the flip side? So it's very interesting. Um, the 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 the, um, the Balatanya, who um, was a great one of the great Hasidic masters, uh, he was the first rab of the of the of the um, Chabad dynasty. Um, in and he describes a similar situation. He he takes the words of the Rambam, but he flips it around. He starts with fear first, and then goes to love. Oh, I mean, you see the deliberate change. I, I don't know if he's disagreeing or doesn't doesn't. He just brings the same words just about and just kind of flips it around. So let I also want to understand it from the other side, like he's describing the fear to love. Um, what would be the point of that type of? How would you work that out? And I think there's a very important point as well to understand because for us in the old days, authority and fear were a given. You know, you can't argue with this man. This man is king of, 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 of Poland. This man is Tsar of Russia. This man, today, our mindset gives very, very little. Yeah, we're scared of somebody with a gun, but, but we're not sort of overwhelmed by authority like that. Um, you know, and we, we, we understand being drawn to religion and to God, but, but fear is something that's a little hard for us. I, I want to describe, and again, the fear that we're talking about is not the type of fear that you can do something, we're talking about awe. Let's, let's say the following, um, let's give the following example. L let's say Einstein had a nephew, and he was a seven-year-old, and he would occasionally go to Uncle Albert's house, and Albert would be very fond of him, and you know, would maybe give him candies, and play some games with him, and uh, so on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking now, my, um, my wife has an uncle, he's a nephew of Chaznesh, a very, very big Talmud Chacham, and he once came to the sister's house, her mother's house, and the only one home was, was one of my children. It was a little boy, he was a six-year-old. And he's a very friendly kid and kind of, you know, and, and he asked, he's, he went over to him and said, you know, I see you a little lonely, would you like to play a game? I'll show you how to play a game. And my wife's uncle was very thrilled, nobody in the house. He took off his coat, he sat down on the floor with him, and he showed him how to play some sort of tiddlywings of sorts, and they had a great game. And then I w afterwards, my, 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 my son was telling me, oh, this old man came and he said he's Ima's uncle and he looked very lonely, so I played this game, and I shot this and that, and that. So I was thinking to myself, at some point he's going to say, you know, I was very friendly with Rabbi so-and-so, and I was close with him. 
but he wasn't close with him because he didn't understand who he was. To him, he was an older gentleman who was friendly, and that was it. So, without recognizing, you, you can only say I was close when I have some understanding of, of the person. So, being close to God, if, if in my mind, God is the guy who I turn to for help when I need it, then I don't, and, and I like him because occasionally he tosses me a bone or two, or maybe even a whole steak. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have God. I, I mean, I have Santa Claus, but, but I don't have God. It's only when I understand a greatness. The greatness is what describes him, and then my closeness means I have to be, I, I have to, I, I'm, I try to be of, of, of some similar nature. I, I, I try to, I, I, you know, but I'm, I, I know what I'm becoming close to. God certainly cares for each one of us, and God helps each one of us, and God does for each one of us. But for us to relate to God means I, I need to have a sense of what the Rambam calls this unlimited wisdom, and so on and so forth. So, um, so it's it's so there's another way of looking at it is by understanding God. If if, if I'm not in awe of God then whatever it is I'm thinking of is not God. Because I need to understand something that transcends any human limitation and 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 is the is is the is the is is the completion of wisdom and goodness. When I have some feeling for that, I can at least be drawn to that. Now I just want to um, explain also the the mitzvahs of essay and losase, the positive commandments and negative commandments, um, the Ramban and many others explain are sort of the vehicle and the tool for both sides of this. I, I am drawn close to someone by positive activities. I don't engage um, in negative activities because I'm in awe. For instance, Let's say I'm brought, I'm being brought to extremely cultured, aristocratic um, a company. I, I feel awkward doing things that, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I don't know, pick my this, scratch my that, say things that are coarse, um, because I'm in awe of the company around me. I, I, w I wouldn't let, I wouldn't go walk with something that's I wouldn't wear something that's dirty unkempt, um, creased, and so on. My my when I'm in the presence of someone whose standards are great, I have a sense of my own. Uh, you know, I have a certain sense of, of drawing back. I, I was when I was a boy. I once read Amy Vanderbilt's. Um, etiquette book, uh, just for fun. I just thought it was amazing because you know, as Americans, it doesn't. You know, I just thought it was very. It was some of it I thought was 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 was, was ludicrous, <laughs> it, but you know, it was, it was just fascinating. It was one of the things I was reading, and I remember she was speaking. She writes about the the polite way of eating different things, and the and then she writes about mango, uh, and and she says. It is said that the only polite way to eat mango is in a bathtub with yourself. You know, because mangoes spitz all, they, they spitz all over, they get 
they're very it's very colorful juices you know it, it's something if you didn't company there's almost how, how, how do you eat a, a mango in company with you know with your hands with a knife and a fork you know it's always getting so she it's like a joke it's that you know she says it, it, it has been said that the only polite way to eat mango is in the bathtub with no one else around because there's no way to, to, to be aristocratic about it uh, I remember I was once as a young boy I went to visit um, a woman her husband was a Shiva Slabotka and they were very into Slabotka was very into aristocratic manners and she was a queen she was an incredible woman she really was a woman you you know every word she said was measured weighed the way she carried herself the way it, it was really you saw aristocracy and I was there with another boy a, a roommate of mine we both had some some we had some you know we belonged somewhere to Slabotka my father had learned that his boy's father was family so and I remember she gave bananas and we were about to you know and then we saw what she did you know she put she had these special little silver fork and knives she peeled back the top and cut even slices and ate it with a dainty and like I was like six I had I felt I had six feet all of them left left footed and, 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 and like you know like what am I supposed to do my gosh I never seen that a banana you just take off the thing and you stuff it in your mouth that's a banana like you know I, like I, I never the word awkward like like you know I I, I, I became awkward instantly you know I, like, like I had no idea what I was supposed to do with it um, the, the the sense of of covered you know the, the sense of, of, of awe a person when you're when you hear somebody saying smart things you feel that the words that you're saying are stupid and, and coarse you know and and and, and it, it sort of and, and it and it's very it's a very important piece because then it allows you to understand if 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 you don't, if you haven't described God's in turn that that overshadow you, you're not talking about God. You're talking about some fictitious projection of of, of, of a sort of a fairy that you would a fairy god that you would like to to be at your help. So Dram says so Dram Dram goes from love to fear. <coughs> we about Tanya goes from fear to love, but be it as it is, it's one and the same. Ulafikoch he says. Hadvarim ha'elu, and 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 it's it's something. I just want let, let's give a picture. A person needs money for institution, and there's a lot of money. Institution is really really difficult, straight. And he gets an appointment with somebody incredibly wealthy, and you sit there and you present your case. On the one hand. Um, you, 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 this is the hope, you know, that this person takes kindly and he would like to help, he solves the problems. On the other hand, you feel kind of you messed up because you need to ask for help. And, and when we pray to God, it's not enough to believe in God and to think of Him as being benevolent and, and, and sort of kindly towards us and so on and so forth. You also need to understand it's, it's a sort of a bankruptcy that you're coming for such type of help. You need to feel the same way you feel over there saying, you know what, I don't know how we did it, but we're half a million, do uh, half a million dollars under, no help in sight, and we haven't paid teachers, we haven't paid uh, you know, uh, vendors and so on and so forth, and we're really, really at the brink of disaster. You know, we need to have, we need to constantly bear in mind 
It's same thing on Yom Kippur, we ask for atonement. Both feelings are true. You feel lousy because you really haven't done all that well, and, 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 and yet you feel th there's this kindness that is willing to help you solve the problems. Um, okay, and now the Ram says, and therefore, I am going to now explain to you some very important um, principles so that there's an opening to love God just like the, 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 the sages said concerning Ava they said, by, When they speak of love, they speak of recognizing the one that created the world. Now, Maimonides is going to go through two chapters now. This chapter, and the third chapter, and actually the fourth chapter, where he's going to describe the world in, um, he's going to lay out the basic structure of the world the way he had it. Um, the purpose of it is to give us a sense of the greatness of the world and to bring us closer to God. Some of these, l let me, I, we will go through a little bit of it, um, but let me give you some caveats first. And in the Rambam's understanding, there were divine worlds where angels and so on those are worlds that are sort of and um, beyond they transcend human uh, uh, senses and, and on that point was sort of on the same page in that way I mean that that has stayed current with some changes but as they the Rambam also pictures an intermediary world which is the, the world of astronomy, what he calls celestial beings, that's something that most opinions are not like that. It's taken from Aristotle and other places where there was a sense... Now, even in that, there are, there are many elements we do see, but I, I want to explain the differences. They saw the celestial beings as being quasi-physical. The fact that they are beyond human touch, the fact that they seem to be made of just energy, not not the fact that they seem to go in, in fairly perfect orbits all the time, and so on, put them someplace in in a, in, a, in a in a strata between man and God as a continuum. It's not most opinions are not that way. Most opinions put them down with us, but the Raman did have it, and it makes no difference really um, in the in the contemplation of it. The Raman just felt this was the right way to do it. Um, and finally, there's our physical world, which the Rambam uses um, the four different um, the four elements, which was a very Greek way of looking at it. We still look at it that way, but in a very different way. And the elements that he speaks of are. Um, are solids, liquid, gas, and energy. Th those distinctions still exist. They don't exist as basic elements. We have a very different way of looking at things. We have uh, a periodic table plus a bunch of elements that we've made, and we look at it differently. It doesn't change much the understanding of the Rambam. What I would like to focus is some other things. Uh, uh, the Rambam a, was not privy 
to the tradition of Kabbalah. It doesn't diminish his greatness, but it just means we have a much a much finer system of looking at these things and a tradition, a Masoris. The Rambam, without having the Masoris, came up with incredibly similar points. But, but it's still important to understand, it's like the difference between, there are many problems that you can solve with calculus even if you're just kind of a, 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 a junior in college taking calculus for the first time. You can solve many great problems with that. It takes some brilliant people to solve them without calculus. And some problems just can't be solved without calculus. Um, it's something which requires understanding that the fact that we do have a very strong tradition of Kabbalah. We've, we, we've, we have specifics about things that the Rambam writes in generalities. It doesn't make much of a difference. The Rambam's point is thinking and understanding the grandness of the world is something, an activity which in itself leads to a tremendous attraction to God. Many other opinions say you, you, you don't need to go to physics and metaphysics to do it. Um, just learning Torah itself gives you a sense of God's greatness and it installs you with love of God. Um, some opinions have been to focus more on your own divine benevolence towards your life and how much God has been there for you. That's the way to do it. Um, it, it some, the Kabbalists and in the Hasidim Chabad actually were the ones that believed that by thinking about topics of the divine interaction with the world, specifically the way Kabbalah has said it, that will leave, that will leave you with a phenomenal um, appreciation and being overwhelmed by it. Those, the, 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 I would say the divergence of paths, how a person should get to it, are legitimate. They, they, they don't change what the Torah is. The Torah is telling us to do things that will evoke a love of God because you can't just mandate love. And there are different ways and different people. Some people are impressed with math. That gets them excited. Some people are impressed with poetry and that gets them excited. Some people are impressed with doing things for people and goodness. And that makes them... It, it doesn't. It, 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 all of them are pathways to get you closer to God if you use your mind and think about it. Um, those are all, uh, you know, so, so with the Rambam, up to this point, the Rambam is pretty accepted universally. From this point onwards, it's the Rambam's particular path. We're going to look at some of the things in the beginning because, again, they seem to be... Um, they seem to be universal. We'll go through the, 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 the second chapter because the things he says about the beings that are div, you know, divine-like, whether it's angels and so on, in, in many ways that seems to be standard, universal. In the third and fourth chapter, he deals with a much more detailed description of astronomy and physics, which today we have a different way of looking at it and we're not going to uh, go much. We'll, we'll, we'll look at a point here and there. And... Um, and then, we're, then we'll skip the fifth and the sixth par uh, chapters that uh, deal with, the uh, fifth and sixth chapters deal with specific laws um, about writing God's name, not erasing it, not destroying it, not desecrating God's name. It goes up very specific laws, and, and, and this is it's not the type of topics we're going to deal with. Then back again, the seventh chapter deals with prophecy, the eighth chapter deals with Moses' prophecy, the ninth a chapter deals with the immutability of Torah and the 10th chapter deals with false prophets etc 
um, we will that's something we'll, we'll go back to again so we will continue the second chapter I'm just trying to give you a sense of an outline of, of, of how it goes okay thank you sure.